Welcome to Hey, Remember the 80s? I'm Carrie. And I'm Joe. Please remember, we're not professional podcasters or music critics. We're just waving our skirts as a flag and talking about 80s music, so give us a break. Hey, fellas. (laughs) Joe, welcome. Welcome to you. Thank you. Welcome to any new listeners and welcome to loyal listeners. We found some listeners out in West Hartford, Connecticut, Mississauga, Ontario, Canada, and Santo Andre, Brazil. Hello. Yes. Hi to all those folks. Hope you're keeping up with us on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash HRT80S. Our Twitter is the same at HRT80S. Yep. Log on and look us up. All right, Joe, tidbits. So last week we went hard on telling people they had to watch the Janet documentaries because we were going to review it for them. Well, joke's on us because (laughs) we're recording early this week, even earlier than usual. So we have not seen the Janet documentary yet. So you have a whole nother week, listeners, to catch up with it. Catch up. And we will definitely be bringing you a big review next week. 100%. I'm even putting off RuPaul's Drag Race new episode so that I can watch part one. Just before we (laughs) sat down, I thought to myself, I was like, oh, no, I have a conflict tomorrow. I'm like, Janet and RuPaul's Drag Race at the same time. Which one will I watch? I got to tell you, I'll probably watch RuPaul's first because otherwise I'll get spoiled for it. Yeah, right. And then on Saturday, you could just start part one at like 5 p.m. Mm -hmm. and then take a little Janet break and then start part two. There you go. There you go. It looks good. It's been teased. She's all over Twitter. I swear I only follow like one Janet Jackson account and I've seen 800 posts about this. (laughs) She's doing press. She was on Kelly Clarkson's show this week, she and was? Kelly sang. Ooh. Kelly sang, "What have you done for me lately?" And she killed it. Oh my And then gosh. she interviewed via satellite, or do they say that anymore? Probably Zoom. <laughs> 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 but she interviewed her for a long time, and I didn't watch because I don't want any spoilers for the documentary. But I did watch Kelly's performance, and it was amazing. Well, it always is. She could do no wrong. She is an icon for our time. Mm-hmm. That will be uh, super exciting. Um, Obviously, we keep talking about it. So we are excited. We are. And, you know, we talk about the timing of the recording of this episode. But one thing's for certain, Carrie, this episode is dropping on February 1st. It is. And February, Joe, is Black History Month. So we wanted to talk in depth about some artists that had big success on the R&B chart. And so what I did is I took Joel Whitburn's uh, Top R&B Singles book, which charts every single to hit the Hot 100 on the R&B chart. And you'll remember that the chart started as the Harlem Hit Parade way back in 1942, and has changed its name many times over the years. In 1973, it became the Hot Soul Singles chart, and in 82, it became known as the Black Singles chart. Today, it is known as the Hot R&B slash Hip Hop Songs chart. So this book is listed by artists. I started at the beginning of the book with A, and I just looked for some artists that had a large number of R&B hits. And the first is a name that's probably generally familiar from the pop charts as well, but they had many more singles hit the R&B chart. 
Carrie, before we get started, I didn't even know you had the Joel Whitburn's top R&B singles book. Oh, indeed, I did. Yep. When did you get that? I've had it for a long time, yeah, and I've been wanting to do more stuff with it. So this was a really good opportunity. And you know that website, he's got so many great books like this that are perfect for people who love chart stats like us. Yes. And I'm sure some listeners out there. And they even have a deal going on, or did it end? I'm not sure. He extended it. Oh, he did? I deleted the email because I didn't want to be um, tempted to spend uh, more Right. Money. No, I definitely put some things in the cart, including this <laughs> R&B book, right? Mm-hmm. Record Research is the name of the company. Yeah. It's Joel Whitburn. He has a great website. He shows you the insides of the books, what you're getting, and they are phenomenal. But back to the group that Carrie teased, and you should know that it starts with an A, because that's where she started in the book. <laughs> Atlantic Star... And believe it or not, they had 27 different singles hit the R&B Hot 100 from 1978 to 1994. They formed in upstate New York in the mid-70s. The band's backbone included three Lewis brothers, David on vocals and guitar, Wayne on vocals and keyboards, and Jonathan on percussion and trombone. They moved to L.A. with their six other members and signed with A&M Records after becoming a hit on the nightclub scene. They released their self-titled album in 1978, and their debut single, Stand Up, reached number 16 on the R&B chart. They hit the Hot 100 for the first time in 1981 with Circles, which peaked at number 38 in 1982 and went all the way to number 2 R&B. Carrie, we've sung Circles to each other before, right? <laughs> yes, we have. Over the years. Uh-huh. Yeah. I thought Circles was like 85, 86. No. Oh, no, it's much earlier. Wow. Yeah. It sounds so much more modern than 1981. Yeah, I think you're me. right. Yeah, yeah. The original lineup had imploded in 1983 during the recording of their fifth album when the rest of the band's members revolted against the Lewis Brothers' control. Everyone left except the three Lewises and drummer Joe Phillips. They recruited a new singer, Barbara Weathers, and continued on to achieve their biggest success. I think everyone knows their biggest pop hit, Always, which went to number one in June of 1987, and that one also topped the R&B chart. But they hit the top of the R&B chart again in April of 1989 with the song, My First Love. You've been so kind to This one was from the band's eighth album, and it was written by David Lewis, sung by David with Portia Martin, who had replaced Weathers after she left for a solo career after the success of Always. Oh, (laughs) didn't work out, right? I know, there's a lot of changes. (laughs) (laughs) My First Love spent one week at the top of the R&B chart, but it didn't even cross over to the Hot 100 at all. Atlantic Star is still performing today, but the only original members left are Wayne and Jonathan Lewis. We've talked about um, Sharon Bryant was their first lead singer. She was one of the members that left after 83, and she went on to have a couple solo hits later in the 80s. But then they had 
Barbara Weathers, who sang with them, you know, on Always. And then they had a third lady, this Portia Martin. So I thought it was kind of interesting how many (laughs) different singers. Unless Barbara Weathers had a different stage name when she went solo. I don't think she she did nothing after that, I don't think so. I don't Mm -hmm. think so. (laughs) That's sad. She had a great voice, but gosh, one big hit and then she leaves. Oh, come on, dude. Yeah, they went through a lot. My first love, it's okay. I'm not really turned on by it, I guess. I never would have guessed that this came out after Always. It sounds so much older and so much, it's a little stale. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I agree with you. If you had asked me what year this came out, just based on the sound, I would have never guessed. 1981. Yeah, I would have definitely said it was earlier in the decade. I got to say too, Carrie... Not a fan of Always. Oh, you're not? That's interesting. mm -mm. You know, now that you say that, I guess I definitely like Secret Lover more than Always, but I don't mind Always. Yeah, I do too. I mean, at least Secret Lovers has like something happening in it, right? (laughs) Yeah. What is the point of Always? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Um, Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) They're not all bad. I like their, we talked about their song from Can't Buy Me Love, One Lover at a Time. Oh, yeah. That's Which right. I found out was their single that they released after Always. So they really wanted to show people yeah. a different side, but no one was listening. Yeah, it is funny too to think to look back on Circles, which is definitely a more of a dancey. I like vibe. that one too. Yeah, yeah. They couldn't seem to hit on the pop charts except with those ballads later in the decade. Yeah. So I don't know who else to tell this to, Carrie, but you. So here it comes. <laughs> so they're Atlantic Star, right? That's true. So who was Midnight Star? Midnight Star was a completely different band. They had um, No Parking on the Dance Floor, Operator. They have similar names, but I mean, Midnight Star was a big R&B group as well. So who's Brenda K. Star? (laughs) Who is Brenda K. Star? Is that the one that was the backup singer for Mariah Carey? (laughs) Mariah was her backup. That's what I meant, yeah. (laughs) No, I know you know who she is, but then I was just like, now am I getting her confused? I did that on purpose, yeah. I still believe. Yes. Up next, we have got George Benson, and George Benson has lived. Mm. He started playing ukulele in a corner drugstore in Pittsburgh when he was just seven years old. So did I. (laughs) I wasn't any good. (laughs) Well, the next year, were you playing guitar in an unlicensed nightclub? (laughs) I'll never tell. He recorded his first singles at age nine, but because his guitar playing was affecting his schooling, his guitar was taken away and he spent time in a juvenile detention center. I mean, that's wild. That is so horrible. (laughs) I know. God. He obviously was really talented. That's like upsetting that, you know. Right. That someone would look at that. That's (laughs) some like Matilda stuff. (laughs) Well, after graduating high school, he began a real recording career and he released his first album in 1964 at age 21. He was initially discouraged from singing and released mostly instrumental albums. He's had a total of 26 R&B hits from 1975 to 1998. He had two R&B number ones in the early 80s with Give Me the Night and Turn Your Love Around. Both were top five hits on the Hot 100 as well. But let's talk about Inside Love, parentheses, so personal. 
a single from his 1983 album. Inside Love was written by another big name in R&B music, Kashif. Originally a keyboardist for Stephanie Mills, Kashif wrote such songs as Love Come Down for Evelyn King and You Give Good Love for Whitney Houston. Damn, to the (laughs) (laughs) He also released some solo albums and hit the R&B chart 17 times of his own. But back to Inside Love and George Benson. The first single from his album, it peaked at three on the R&B chart, went to 35 on the adult contemporary, seven on the dance chart, and topped out at 43 on the Hot 100. George Benson is still with us and will turn 79 in March. So you go, George. Awesome. I just want to talk about the people in his young life telling him not to do things, right? <laughs> you can't play guitar. You're going to juvie. Now we don't want you to sing. I know, for real. I am changing the tattoo on my arm that says, can I live to can George Benson live? <laughs> Let him be. I know. I mean, but he really triumphed at the end. He was a big star. I mean, give me the night and turn your love around. Those are so good. Yeah, those are classic. Aren't they great? They, they are. get me, you know, moving mm-hmm. every time I hear them. And this one's too. Yes. I was surprised. <laughs> I looked at the title, Carrie, and I went, you brother. Inside love, parentheses, so personal. Yeah. I was like, here we go. But I was like, bam, bam. Yeah, it sounds like, bam, bam. yeah, that's definitely, it sounds like it should be a, a sappy <laughs> ballad, but it's not. It's very it funky. It was disco-y. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I put this on while we were eating dinner tonight, and I was kind of shaking my butt a little bit in the chair. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. Mm-hmm. It made me move, and I was surprised by it. Yeah. Up next, Carrie, is a little singer called Peebo Bryson. <laughs> I just love that name so much. <laughs> Well, does it surprise you to learn, Carrie, pretend you didn't write this, <laughs> Robert Peepo, that's P-E-A-P-O, Bryson, right? That's not a typo. Correct. Yes. Was born in Greenville, South Carolina, and was singing backup for a local group by the time he was 14. Peepo is a French West Indian name, and the leader of that group had a hard time pronouncing it and continually called Peepo, Peebo. I don't see how that's much different. Peepo. 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 Whatever. I don't know. But that new variation on the name stuck. He released his first solo album in 1976 and has had 43 R&B singles from 1976 to 1993. He became known for his duets with female singers He hit the R&B chart once with Melissa Manchester, twice with Natalie Cole, and five times with Roberta Flack. But he wouldn't top the R&B chart until 1989, when Show and Tell spent one week at the top. The 
Al Wilson took a version of the song to number 10 on the R&B chart and number one on the Hot 100 in 1974. That's so insane. I've never heard that song before. Oh, are you serious? I bet you've heard it. You just don't realize. Mm, Okay. Now someone knows my reality better than me. (laughs) I I guess so. Okay, sorry. Can I live? (laughs) Sorry. I feel like it's ubiquitous, but you know. You know what? I only listen to Peebo's, so maybe I'll go back and listen to Al Wilson's. Well, I mean, it doesn't sound much different. So that's why I was going to uh, say, like, I guess right. I don't know why I'm saying that to you. When, if you heard the Peebo version and you've never heard the song before, then, then you never heard yeah, it. Yeah. You probably never heard it. Peebo's version didn't chart on any other chart. Now, Peebo famously hit the charts in the early 90s with two different Disney songs. He went to number nine on the pop chart with Celine Dion in 1992 with Beauty and the Beast. Then he hit number one later that year with Regina Bell with the theme from Aladdin, A Whole New World. Beauty and the Beast didn't hit the R&B chart, but A Whole New World went to number 21. Legend. Yeah, Peebo Bryson has so many hits that I remember, like If Ever You're In My Arms Again. Good one. And then these ones that we mentioned from the 90s, Beauty and the Beast and a Whole New World. But uh, the show and tell is fine. You know, if you go to like the YouTube on any page, there's like all the comments are like, the Al Wilson version is better. <laughs> oh, my like, God. Okay. Grow up. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not he's not reinventing the wheel, but it's very good. I mean, people Bryson has a great voice. So I think this is a good showcase. What do you think of the album cover? I'm trying to remember. Is it like he's kind of like leaning, leaning back? back on a bed? <laughs> it's a bed. I didn't realize it was a bed. It's a bed. He meant business. <laughs> I guess he did. He wanted to take you inside love. Inside love. That was George Benson. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to show and tell. Yeah, exactly. But I was shocked, like, looking at this whole list of duets he did. He was the go-to guy. The duets are great. I think he's got a lot of great hits. This is not my favorite from him, though. Yeah. I want to listen to his other stuff, for sure. Would you listen to hits from the band Cameo? Because that's who is up next. Cameo began as a 14-member group. Then they were like, "Uh, we got to reduce overhead here. (laughs) They hit the R&B charts for the first time in 1977, and they had 28 total hits up until 1995. Although they only hit the Hot 100 with five of those singles, two of those, Word Up and Candy, were number one singles on the R&B chart in 1986. But we're going to talk about their first R&B number one from 1984, and that song is called She's Strange. It was the title track from the group's 10th album. They were churning them out. Mm -hmm. And it was produced by founder Larry Blackman, the heart of the group. We talked about his work as a producer on Bobby Brown's first solo album, which Carrie loves. She loves every song on it. (laughs) All of them. (laughs) No, even Bobby Brown did not like that one, right? True. She's Strange spent four weeks at the top of the R&B chart. Here is a clip. Just the way she is. Everybody knows. She from head to toe. She's my 
It also reached number 25 on the dance chart and 37 in the UK. It was the group's first single to enter the Hot 100, but it peaked only at 47. By the mid-80s, the group had been pared down to three members, who sang backing vocals on Cyndi Lauper's 1989 album, A Night to Remember. Interesting. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, in 2016, Cameo performed a year-long residency in Vegas. And these days, Cameo is essentially just Larry Blackman, who is 65 years young, and he is still touring. I am obsessed with this song. Isn't it great? I love it. I love that little... Right. And it wouldn't surprise you to learn that it's been sampled like at least 50 times, right? Yes. And I went to look up, is one of those samples Wild Wild West by Kumo D? No. Doesn't it sound like that, though? It kind of sounds like Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the most famous examples were songs from the 90s and early 2000s um, by Tupac and Snoop Dogg. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. I could not get enough of this song this week. I believe it because you put the 12-inch extended version on the playlist. I I was like, 15 minutes later, I was like, I get it. She's strange. (laughs) But I will say that I usually don't like in songs when it's kind of like that talk singing. We've talked about that before. He's just kind of like doing this thing. This is a lot. Yeah. But I don't know. I didn't mind it here. It's a good mix. They've got the singing and the talking. Mm -hmm. And I love the line, um, like in the second verse where he rhymes, my Twilight Zone, my Al Capone, my Rolling Stones, and my Eva Perone. Uh Uh-huh. It's very good. Yeah. Up next is another C band. It's Confunction. They had 25 R&B singles on the chart from 1977 to 1986. But only four of those also touched the Hot 100. Uh, the group was formed all the way back in 1969 as Project Soul by high schoolers Lewis McCall and Michael Cooper. They moved to Memphis and became a backing band at the legendary Stax Records studio. This eventually led to a record deal with Mercury. Their seventh studio album, Touch, was released in late 1980 and contained the single too tight. percussion on the track are drummer Pete Escovedo and his daughter Sheila, better known as Sheila E. Nice. Too Tight went to 25 on the dance chart, 8 on the R&B, and it peaked at 40 on the Hot 100. The group's lead singer, Felton Pilati, left in 1986 to pursue a solo career, and they were soon dropped by their record label and broke up. Yeah, did you see what they called it? The record label invoked the key member clause and said, when the best person (laughs) leaves your group, you're done. I know, that's horrible. That is so harsh. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Pilati would end up becoming the main collaborator of MC Hammer and co-wrote most of the songs on Hammer's 1991 album, Too Legit to Quit. 
These days, Pilati and two of the other original members tour as Confunction. Now, Too Tight, I liked a lot as well, but it's definitely a 1980 vibe. Okay, I'm shocked because of how much you hate the Cheap Trick song called She's Tight. (laughs) Well, I didn't look up the lyrics. So are the lyrics disgusting? I honestly wasn't paying any attention to them. I was just paying attention to the groove. I don't want to say. Okay, don't tell me. (laughs) Don't taint my love for too tight. (laughs) I won't, but maybe this will. This to me, and I don't know many of their other songs, Mm -hmm. so I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but to me, this song sounded like Earth, Wind, and Fire. Like, I feel like it was an Earth, Wind, and Fire ripoff. I don't disagree with you, and I'm not sure about the history. It seems like they were probably on parallel tracks, but I don't know. Maybe they were being influenced by Earth, Wind, and Fire. But I mean, they had a long history, like we talked about. I mean, they started in 1969, so I don't know what to tell you. I liked it. That was said with no malice. I mean, sure. We talk all the time about how groups remind us of other groups. Even Dave came out like he came out of the bedroom. And when the song was playing and he's like, I like this. Earth, Wind, and Fire. (laughs) And I was like, I just wrote that down. And now we're up to Tyrone Davis, who is more of a 60s, 70s artist. He had 32 singles reach the R&B chart during those years, including three number ones. But he was still charting in the 80s as well, adding 11 more. He started his career in Chicago and released some local records under the name Tyrone the Wonder Boy (laughs) in the early 60s. He became known as the king of romantic Chicago soul. In 1982, his single Are You Serious went to three on the R&B chart and peaked at 57 on the Hot 100. song was written by L.V. Johnson, his former accompanist who had a short solo career of his own. And Davis continued to release albums until he suffered a stroke in late 2004 and passed away from complications in February of 2005. Now, this is one when I was looking in this book, there's such a long list. and I'm like, Tyrone Davis. I've never even heard that name before. Mm-hmm. Not only not familiar with the songs, but just literally have never even heard the the name name Tyrone Davis. Yeah, right. But I mean, I can see why he became known as the king of romantic Chicago soul. He's got Mm -hmm. a great voice. He's got one of those classic, deep, tender voices. (laughs) So I really liked this one. Actually, it surprised me. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. And you know what surprised me? And we've said this, I don't know how many times in different episodes. And here we are on episode 144. We're always learning of new acts that had hit these various charts Mm -hmm. in the 80s, whether it was R&B, dance, UK. I feel like we're never going to be done. (laughs) We will never stop hearing new names and hearing new songs. It's just so bizarre to me. Yes. Carrie, we are going to close out the segment by talking about a true legend, Natalie Cole. Of course, she was the daughter of icon Nat King Cole. Natalie was born in 1950, just as Nat's career was really taking off. 
She grew up around music and sang on her father's album, The Magic of Christmas, when she was six years old. Nat passed away when Natalie was only 15, and her relationship with her mother was strained. After graduating college, she began singing in nightclubs, but many were disappointed when she would perform rock and R&B songs and not the standards expected of her based on her father's repertoire. Her debut single, This Will Be, topped the R&B chart in 1975 and went to number six on the Hot 100, and it's also a jam. Now, that's another song that if you had asked me when This Will Be came out, I would have said the 80s. Really? Only because I guess because I remember it. Like, I remember it as being a part of my childhood. She followed with two more R&B number ones and won the Grammy Award for Best New Artist and Best R&B Female Performance that year. During her career, she would place 30 more singles on the R&B chart, and 16 of those came in the 80s. I Live For Your Love was the second single from her 1987 album, Everlasting Love. I want you for nothing at all. I live for your love every minute. I live for your love. Won't you in it? I live for your love. I admit it. It peaked at 13 on the Hot 100 in February of 88 and spent a total of 22 weeks on the chart. And it also went to number two on the Adult Contemporary chart and peaked at four on the R&B chart. Singing back up is our old friend, Saida Garrett. You follow her on Twitter yet? No, I'm not on Twitter. Oh, yeah. She's funny. She got new glasses. (laughs) Natalie was nominated for the sixth time for Best R&B Female Vocal Performance for the entire Everlasting Love album, but she lost to Aretha Franklin. And Carrie Natalie passed away in 2015 at the age of 65. Tragic. Yeah. This Will Be was her debut single. Like I said, it topped the R&B chart. And then then her next two singles topped the R&B chart as well. And they were both, you know, Hot 100 hits. I mean, I just can't believe what a mega, like, splash onto the scene. And then what happened? She just kind of faded away. I mean, she had problems with drugs. Yeah. I didn't know when that came into play. It said on her Wikipedia that she went to rehab in 1983. So I guess I assume, you know, the late 70s, early 80s, she was dealing with drug addiction. Well, she's got that Hot 100 hit that we hear on countdowns from like, I think, 80. Someone I used to know. Oh, someone that I used to love. Yes, that's it. Mm -hmm. All her songs have love. (laughs) And the album titles love. Yeah. And I wish we had picked, I wish we'd talked about any other song than I Live For Your Love, because it's not my favorite. Oh my but God, listening, what? Listening today, her voice, it just made me feel things. Yeah. But any other time I've heard this, I've been like, it's not for me. Oh, that's really interesting. I yeah. love this one so much. It's been stuck in my head all week. All I can think about is her soaring voice, you know, Gosh, saying, I love I for know. your life. Yeah, and there's the different, like, I don't know if it's a key change, but there's mm-hmm. like this really sweeping change in it. And I, yeah, I think I'm going to hear it with different ears from now on after we discussed her. And yeah. anyone who RuPaul is excited about to be a guest on Drag Race is, you know, tops in my book. When was she on Drag Race? You don't remember her? I think they even did This Will Be as the lip sync. Oh my god, well it must have been super early if she passed away in 2015. How long has RuPaul's Drag Race been on the air? Girl, (laughs) like 13 years. 
come on. It was Dita Ritz and the Princess, and they performed in front of Natalie You're right. Cole. Oh, I guess mm-hmm. it started in 2009. Well, screw me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she is for sure a legend. I mean, there's just no getting around it. I also want to say I'm sorry to my dad because I remember being at the mall looking for cassette singles, and I made him buy me Natalie Cole's Unforgettable. Oh, jeez. And I made him listen to it in the car on a three-hour road trip, like, over and over. And I think the B-side was a song called Cottage for Sale. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I only bought it because I knew Entertainment Weekly said it was going to win things, and it was great. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I was a whole mess. (laughs) One last thing about Natalie Cole. Like, it's just funny to me. I never think of her as an 80s artist, I guess. Probably because, like, you know, in the actual 80s, like you talked about, she had that one hit in 80, and then she didn't come back again, really, until 87. I mean, you can't think of her as 80s. Like, and she came out in the 90s, and she was, mm-hmm. like, doing 50s, and, like, yeah. I just feel like she didn't belong to any decade. Well, that's true, and that's a good thing. Like, she was timeless. Yeah. Well, it was really fun to talk about those R&B artists. We'll probably do it again, uh, not next week, but maybe the week after. Yeah, next week is going to be tied up with uh, Gianna Jackson. <laughs> Another R&B legend. Well, overall legend. All right, Joe, let's do one more segment today. And it is Top of the Pops. Ooh, Top of the Pops. By the way, I looked at the cassette single on eBay and Cottage for Sale was the B-side. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to know what cottage for sale sounds like. Well, I'm sure it was one of Nat's like standards, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Dad, again. The first UK number one we're going to talk about is Oh Julie by Shaken Stevens. We talked a little bit about Shaken Stevens in episode 82. But to give more of his backstory, he was born Michael Barrett in 1948 And it's safe to say he was a superstar in the UK in the 80s. He was the biggest selling singles artist of the 80s over there. A huge feat. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) Oh, Julie hit number one on the UK charts on January 30th, 1982. It was Shaken's third number one hit and the first number one as a writer. Cha-ching. Later that year, Barry Manilow released his own version of Oh Julie, and his version peaked at number 38 on the Hot 100. I do not remember that. I've never heard this on a countdown, right? Yeah. Like I said, Shaken Stevens had much more success throughout the 80s, but he also had a resurgence of popularity in the 2000s. He won the UK reality TV show Hit Me Baby One More Time and actually hit the charts again with a version of a song he performed on the show, his cover of Trouble by Pink. 
And he also performed at Glastonbury in 2008, you know, that huge UK festival. So the UK loves Shaken Stevens. They do. And we've said before, the UK loves a good throwback. For sure. Nostalgia. Yeah. And that's what this is. I am embarrassed to say that I wanted to hate the song, but for some reason, love it. (laughs) I'm so thrown. I wanted to love it and I hate it. Yeah. I think it's the accordion. I think it's the accordion. <laughs> is this a song or is it a commercial for Zatarain's fried rice? You got to try to put yourself back in 1982 when this maybe wasn't as tired of a trope as it is now. Because you're right. Oh, my God. As soon as you said that, I was like, oh, well, that sounds that's exactly what it sounds like. I don't know. I, he has other songs that I like better than this. This for me was a total flop. Do you remember when they did Hit Me Baby One More Time on U.S. television? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I watched a couple episodes of it, but I can't remember any of the people that were involved. You know me, I never watched it because back then I didn't like 80s music. So I would have been like, forget this. I am looking at the U.K. version. I am furious now because this was in 2005 So the week that Shaken Stevens performed, I guess the way it worked is they had five different acts that performed each week, and they would sing their biggest hit, and then they would sing a second song, which was a contemporary hit. Mm. So that week, Shaken Stevens sung his song, This Old House, and then he sang Trouble by Pink. Which, that wasn't even a hit. Well, then there's someone named Jackie Graham, who I don't know what that is, but then he beat Hadaway. He beat Doctor and the Medics, which I only know because we pay them on Charlie's and they had a number one UK hit, Spirit in the Sky. But the last person he beat was Belinda Carlisle. No way. She sang Heaven is a Place on Earth and then she sang The Scientist by Coldplay. I want to see that. Don't you want to see that? Yeah, we need to find this on YouTube. Uh, Yeah. Okay, so then I guess there was seven different weeks. Each week, someone won, and then there was a grand final of all of those people, and Shaken Stevens won that. That's unbelievable. He beat Shalimar. We got to watch this. Shalimar, he beat Tiffany. He beat Carol Decker, who's the lead singer from Tapau. Oh, that's why she sang China in Your Hand. Hey, now I'm on the U.S. version. You've got to check out the U.S. version. (laughs) Which Tiffany competed in that, too. (laughs) But she lost. Some other people from the 80s. We've got Loverboy, Vanilla Ice. We've got the Motels, Tommy Two-Tone, The Knack. Wow. Cameo, Howard Jones. These are some big names. Oh, my God. Greg Ken Band. We should do a segment on this. Juice Newton. Oh, my God. Where? Oh, I see. Oh, my God. Juice Newton performed. And she sang Ashley Simpson. We're definitely going to do an episode and we'll pull clips of them doing the contemporary songs. I love this. That will be interesting. And this has been Joe and Carrie Google something and you hear them discuss it in real time. I know. Is that fun for everyone? We really (laughs) went down a rabbit hole there. We'll never find this show because of the rights. Oh, you're right. Uh, We'll try. We'll try. Sounds like we're going to hit up dailymotion.com. <laughs> anyway, we were talking about Top of the Pops, right? Yes, yes. UK number ones? Okay. I've got one for you, and it's called Something's Gotten Hold of My Heart, and it's by Mark Almond, featuring Gene Pitney. 
And this one was number one for four whole weeks, starting January 28th, 1989. Hmm. Let's go back to 1967, because that's when this song was originally recorded by UK duo David and Jonathan, and then by American singer-songwriter Gene Pitney. It was Gene's version that went to number five in the UK. In 1988, Mark Almond, former lead singer for the group Soft Cell, recorded a version for his album, The Stars We Are. But on the single version that was released, the song became a duet with Gene Pitney. Supposedly, Pitney heard Almond's version and he reached out to him and said, let's make this a duet. And the two recorded a video for the song on location in Las Vegas. It was around this time, Carrie, that sadly, Pitney had an Ashley Simpson SNL moment when he appeared on the British show this morning. He missed his cue, and he failed to properly lip-sync to his hit, You're the Reason, although he was able to laugh off the incident. But it has been a talked-about moment on UK TV history. Interesting. Almond, though, he would continue to hit the UK top 40 well into the 90s. Yeah, he had a pretty big solo career. We talked about him in our Pride episode a little while back. He went on to do some good things. But this one is not one of them. (laughs) Uh -uh, I love how our choices for Top of the Pops this week, they all sound like songs that could have been from the 50s. Well, I mean, in some cases, like this almost was from the 50s. It actually was kind of like from the 50s. I didn't get why this was a duet. It sounds very much like tacked on yeah and that's what this sounds like for sure like i don't get it and plus i think their voices sound so similar that at times i was trying to think to myself like who is who who is who yeah yeah i think it went somewhere interesting in the bridge but beyond that i was just kind of like what am i supposed to do with this yeah this is one that comes up and we've talked about there's a youtube channel called this random guy who i think is based in the uk or at least in europe so I think the very first time I ever heard of this song was it was kind of like one of those clips on he'll do like, you know, top songs from 1989 or something. And I just heard like 10 seconds of it, but it flashed on screen like Mark Almond with Gene Pitney. And, and like, of course, I know heck? Gene Pitney because he's a Your son parents. from the 50s. Yep. And yeah. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> so. What was that one song? I think I learned about it from that random guy or some random guy. Mm-hmm. Remember the man and woman duet from like 1980? They were on top of the pops that we watched. Save your love. Oh, Renee and Renato. Renee and Renato. <laughs> oh, <Yes>. God. <laughs> that was like the 1982 Christmas number one, I think. Yeah. I have no idea what made me think of that. I think I saw the name Diodato the other day and I was like, is that those people? <laughs> But it's Renee and Renato and not Diodato. Yes, Got yes. it. Oh, boy. Joe, this oh, has boy. been a fun one. Mm-hmm. But that's it for this week. We don't have next week planned yet. So tune in and be surprised. Like we were when we Googled uh, <laughs> Hit Me Baby One More Time. Yeah. The television yeah. show. And Carrie, there were two Ashley Simpson references in this episode. Can you believe it? 
I know. Crazy. What a world we live in. What a and world indeed. Speaking of that world, you guys be careful in it. It's a crazy world. Mm-hmm. Um, be careful, be safe, and be kind to anyone that you encounter, including yourself. Yes, good advice. And if someone treats you wrong, you can say to them, what have you done for me lately? (laughs) All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. What's up, girl? He stood me up again. Again? Mm-hmm. Well, what's up with this guy? Do you really like him that much? Yes, honey. I love him. He is fine. He does a lot of nice things for me. I know he used to do nice stuff for you, but what has he done for you lately?